did you do preparation, Erin? I did. Smut Report! Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Smut Report podcast. I'm Holly. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Erin. And today we're going to be talking about pro-choice romance and what does that even mean? So the impetus for this came like a year ago. Our follow-through on getting things done Slow timeline. Sorry, guys. But about a year ago, somebody emailed us on the blog asking if we had recommendations for pro-choice romance because they had read – Aaron had reviewed a book that had, like, kind of a very anti-choice backstory for one of the characters, and Aaron's giving this look of, like, what book was that? I'll have to – I'll no, look it I up. No, I know what book it was, and I know – I. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this because this is one particular component of an abortion narrative that I think is also worth discussing. So let's do it. But yeah, but and you know, and just like kind of what we thought about that. And I was like, Oh, that's a good idea. And then I was like, Well, maybe we should do this for a podcast, because then we could just like actually talk about it. And so that's what we're going to talk about is like, what makes a romance pro choice or not pro choice? And what's the gray area and what recommendations we have? Um, so that's kind of our plan. We're we're doing like chaos recording today. So <laughs> I love chaos. Yeah, I love this. That's what we're doing. Um, outline, schmoutline. Uh, but Erin is Erin, so she actually did research. So I'm just gonna like <laughs> let her. Erin does not do chaos. Erin <laughs> doesn't do chaos. That's what English. She doesn't organize chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna let her kick us off before we kind of get into the romance side of things. Thanks, Holly. So You're welcome, Erin. <laughs> here we go. So for me, historically, when we've gone into a discussion, it's based on a buddy read, or we all read books based on a theme together, and we have some sort of substantive material to talk about. And this time we didn't... I started stressing about it because I was like, I need to find these books, but also... Sometimes asking for finding books is a lot of emotional work, <laughs> in addition to work work <laughs> for us. And so we decided to just talk about what we had. But I also wanted to read a couple of nonfiction books that had come across my desk uh, last year in order to, I don't know, solidify my thoughts or give me different ideas or whatever. So the books I read were... Scarlet A by Katie Watson, which was published in 2018, I believe. And the second book I read was Ejaculate Responsibly by Gabrielle Blair. That was published last year, uh, so that'd be 2023. So Katie Watson's goal in talking about abortion and abortion ethics, her background is in law and like medical ethics. Gabrielle Blair's is like completely, she's like a blogger. <laughs> So she's, she came to this from a completely different angle, very interesting angle. But so uh, Katie Watson and Scarlett A was trying to talk about what she uses as a term is ordinary abortion. And I'm doing that in quotes that Holly and Ingrid can see, but you can't because what is it like 90? I was trying to look up some of my stats, but like 90% of abortions are not the extraordinary abortions that are often talked about as needing to be the protected abortions, right? Like the cases of rape and incest of young teens or tweens becoming pregnant of of medical necessity most abortions are 
obtained by people who don't want to be pregnant, (laughs) you know, Um, and a lot of them are actually already parents. So this is interesting of just coming forward and talking about this from an ethics standpoint of, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, like, look, there are lots of reasons why people choose not to be pregnant. And those reasons are valid. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a moral conundrum, or a struggle, or something that gets judged. And let's explore this idea. So that was very informative in a lot of different ways. Um, Ejaculate Responsibly by Gabrielle Blair is basically saying, uh, hey, all, how come we're not holding all of these cishet men accountable for like any pregnancy prevention? (laughs) You know, I think these facts are interesting. And I think it's especially interesting for this conversation because the way that we engage with choice and abortion in romance, I mean, romance is so optimistic there you might run across characters who've had an abortion in the past i know i appreciated zoe york and jackie lau for both tweeting about that early last year i think it was that you know they they know all of their characters who've had an abortion i think there were a few other authors who engaged in that conversation as well but you know there's no like accidental pregnancy got an abortion trope (laughs) there's no like secret baby just kidding it wasn't trope so um there's some there's some optimism about like we're gonna get pregnant and it's all gonna work out fine and there's nothing to worry about kind of a situation that goes on in romance and with the ordinary abortion conversation that applies to these characters right so that that made me think about it in a slightly different way and i think thinking about how we can have this optimism, we can have the accidental pregnancy, how can, or maybe the question is, how can we have the optimism, have the accidental pregnancies, have these characters choose still to have their babies and become parents, and still have a pro-choice message? Like, is that a thing that can happen? And that's one of the, that's one of the things on our list to discuss today. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, my first question is just like, what does it mean for romance to be pro-choice? We're going to just put out a little asterisk here, because while we are discussing romance novels and this issue in romance novels, which usually involves cishet characters here, um, we do super want to acknowledge that this issue impacts all kinds of uterus-having people, and we don't want to overlook or minimize their experiences in any way. Um, and so we might hear us use women or heroines as shorthand, but we in no way want to ignore the fact that this also includes other people. So that's our little asterisk for that, just in case it comes up later in the podcast. We just wanted to make sure that everyone's feeling included and held there. So I think in my experience that it's kind of more subtle in a lot of ways in romance novels because ultimately for pro-choice it is fully supporting the decision of the woman or the female character or the person who is currently undergoing you know the difficult circumstances of trying to decide what to do with an unplanned or unexpected pregnancy and so historically in these books you know like it's just basically that person getting the support that they need to make the choice that works best for them and that can that often and i think historically has been having the baby but it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Yeah. 
I mean, so I guess this is what I grapple with, right? Is, you know, Aaron was talking about how do you square the optimism of the accidental pregnancy trope with abortion narratives, right? And pro-choice really means supporting everybody's choices, but the way accidental pregnancy romances are commonly written, like, can this romance, can these kinds of romance be pro-choice when the option is always to keep the baby? So I have been thinking about this a lot (laughs) since I read Scarlet A in particular, (laughs) because there is a point in Scarlet A when Watson is talking about personal experiences and she at one point interviewed a woman who had had an abortion or no the woman worked in a clinic uh i think and was out on a date with a new guy and the guy's natural response was well of course it's your choice and stayed out of it after that which is what really they are told to do mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to this conversation. However, this woman pointed out that it was extremely isolating because it put a hundred percent of the experience on the woman in question. It was, it was sub- meant to be supportive, but it was also extremely isolating because it was not talking about the experience as a co-owned experience or as a partnership experience. And that really struck me because before having read that paragraph, I would have been like, yeah. And if he's not like that, I'm going to be like, you need to step right out. (laughs) I should note that we're all pro-choice here, but you know, but at the same time, having, having the idea that your partner would just wash his hands of the whole situation, which then we get into the conversation of ejaculate responsibly is also extremely isolating. Um, and there's also a man that she interviewed who he had a one night stand in college. She told him later that she was pregnant and she was going to go get an abortion. It was the seventies. Um, so she did. And he felt shame years later in part because his friend had had a similar experience where the woman had kept the baby. Um, and so he knew that his life was better. <laughs> he didn't have to do child support. He didn't have to make decisions because his partner had chosen to get an abortion. Um, but also he felt some shame because he, it didn't even occur to him to offer to go with her to the clinic. Right. Well, so, but okay. You know, so you, you're talking about this, the isolation of saying, well, you know, it's just your choice. It's just your choice. But what do we see in romance novels? We see the man swooping in and saying, like, no, we have to get married, right? Like the total opposite, because I I must step up to the most extreme level possible. <laughs> yeah. I think and that's I do think that if and, you look at it on the whole, that's true. Yeah. I think with more recent publications. Yeah, I mean, and you don't I, get level of I made a little spreadsheet of all the romances I've read that have any kind of abortion in them. So, but I also think, yeah, um, I also think that there's a, like that there's a difference in what you would expect from an accidental pregnancy with uh, like someone you're dating or someone you're friends with versus a one night stand and how 
those different kinds of like what kind of support you were to expect from somebody right mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. well that's another thing that i always find really interesting sorry we're just really leaning into the chaos here and ingrid maybe you are gonna want to chime in at, at this but uh just tamping straight off of casual acquaintance like one night stand versus partner i am always shocked at the absolute regularity with which the i mean since we're it's almost all male female romance i guess i've been reading the omega verse so that kind of puts a dent in it but i don't think i've ever read a queer romance you know like a trans romance where there's an accidental pregnancy so this is definitely a heavily male female cishet dominated conversation but the like the heroine is always like, well, I'm not going to take anything from you. I'm just going to do it. And I'm not going to expect anything from you. Or conversely, like I'm thinking of one specifically that where the guy is like super psyched about it, but he's just like trying really hard. He's like, oh, sweet, but I need to cool my shit so that so that I can really be there for her and what she wants, you know, but like he's really (laughs) excited. about. I think those are the kind of narratives that you get that, you know, it's like, well, I have to keep the baby because it's my natural instinct to keep the baby. And and I, I couldn't possibly, but I'm not going to ask you for anything. And I'm like, girl, get your child What is support. wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And then on the other side, I think I've been reading some accidental pregnancies where like he's, he comes off and he's like super excited at first. And, you know, I think there's a sort of natural pressure in that even when he backs off later and he's like, wait, I need to let her have space to make the decision that's right for her, even if I'm excited and, and I, I don't know can see all the possibilities ahead of us well and i think that i have to be honest i really the number of romance novels that i have read that actually deal with grappling with an abortion or i don't i can't think of one which i mean let's be realistic it's hard for me to remember what i read anyway but um (laughs) i feel like i would remember that um and i think that from a strictly literary standpoint that that does make sense because we're dealing with a book where you know if you throw a huge bomb into a book like that it you only have so many pages to figure it out and i think that that's probably difficult to execute Mm -hmm. but not impossible and one of the reasons i have a lot of optimism about the way that we're handling these conversations is that like we've discussed recently in the podcast and on our blog that you know, we're seeing a lot more books where just getting the guy is not enough or like mm-hmm. happily ever after is not enough. We need more than that. And so what I'm what I have been seeing lately in a lot of books, and I think it is pro-choice, is that they I'm seeing a lot of characters have conversations about, well, OK, but I don't want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And and they're having like healthy conversations about that without prevention, without having a pregnancy is also age. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and also like prevention is part of pro-choice. Prevention right. is supporting women and being able to make these choices for themselves. And it's more than just like, oops, I came in you. I hope it turns out okay. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When we're seeing books where they're handling these conversations in advance, in sexy, appropriate, healthy, loving ways, mm-hmm. and they're talking upfront about their family planning for the future, that is pro-choice. Yeah, that's That true. is pro-choice mm-hmm. because it's supporting point. women in making decisions that are best for themselves. And so I would argue that, in fact, although we may not see so many of, uh, you know, the actual abortion taking place on the page or the conversations taking place on the page or grappling with previous abortions on the page. That's, I, I still think that's probably going to be less common, but I think it's important to pay attention to these subtle cues because respecting the choice of, of the person who's going to be carrying the baby, that matters. 
And I think that doing it proactively is really cool to see. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and then circling back to the this question of, like, can you keep the baby and still have it be pro-choice? I will say I've, I've read a couple where there is an accidental pregnancy where there is an actual, like, the characters actually grapple with what that means for their relationship. Should I just start dropping titles? Like, yes, are we at that do point? Do it. Yes, okay. drop those titles. Um. So uh, one is Paradise Cove by Jenny Holiday. And fair warning, this book is like a serious grief book. And so if if you don't want to hear about dead grandmas or dead babies, like, skip this one. Um, but... Oh, no. Yeah. the They're like best friends and who are sleeping together and her grandmother dies of cancer i think and she is really upset so she forgets like stops taking her birth control basically for a couple of days and this is the accidental pregnancy and it happens quite late in the book and she's like you know like i'm 30 I, like, have a stable job. I'm, like, at a place in my life and career, and I just want to keep this baby for me. And maybe also I'm still making bad decisions because of my dead grandma. Um, and the her decision to keep the baby is actually the black moment that causes them to break up. Um, oh, that's interesting. Because his backstory is he had a baby who died, like, in the past. Um, and, like, it broke up his first marriage. You know, because, like, when you have a baby who dies, like, it kind of fucks up your relationships. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's just like, I can't be with somebody who has, like, I can't go through this again. And, you know, they eventually resolve it and have a, like, you know, their happy family with their baby. But, like, that's one that I read that I felt like, even though she keeps the baby, it, because the story isn't centered on the accidental pregnancy, the accidental pregnancy is kind of what, like forces their relationship into something else after it like at the three quarters mark it's kind of doing something different mm-hmm. um it, it does sound like that yeah and then the other one that i always think of in this is um knit pearl a baby and a girl by hetty bell yeah when where... i mentioned queer romance i thought of that immediately so. yeah <laughs> but so, it's a so this, is, this is a queer romance um where she's going to get an abortion and at the clinic decides that she wants to keep the baby and then she starts up a romance with her the planned parenthood escort who like not cool. not a sexy escort the person who like yeah helps like you get to the clinic yeah, helps like, you get you into the, the clinic with her yeah. with her you know umbrella of death kind of shielding skills Aww. that's a good point that you made though about the Jenny Holiday book in particular, well, about both, really, because even in the Hetty Bell, I mean, it's a whole different story. It's not that she's getting together with the man who impregnated her. <laughs> right. But in both cases, they're making decisions sort of thoughtfully with consideration for their life circumstances. And the one that I had mentioned before, where, or the one that I was thinking of when I said before that the hero was like super excited, was Insta Crush by Kate Meter. So he's a professional hockey player. He's like a multimillionaire at this point. You know, like money is not a concern for him. Hiring nannies is not a concern for him. Um, she is 
maybe just recently out of the military and trying to kind of figure out what she's doing. You know, like she doesn't have a ton of resources. She doesn't have a ton of like a great plan. I think she might even be like bartending or something um, while she's trying to figure out what to do next while living with her former um, army teammate. And I think it hits a lot of the similar conversation points of an accidental pregnancy that oftentimes veer into well, I could never. Well, I could never. I mean, that's for, I support it for other people. I can't tell you the number of accidental pregnancy books that I've read that say something along the lines of, well, I support it for other people, but it's never something I could do without having a deeper thinky think about like what is truly going to be the impact to your life having made this decision. And I just wanted to. But Erin, I feel like a lot of people are pro-choice in that way. Until the moment when they have to actually make the decision. But here's the thing that also... Uh, Yes. But, and this, so, this is from Scarlett A. She's talking about, the abortion is always a difficult decision, quote, master plot, underscores the moral seriousness of people making this decision are are expected to have. But people who don't struggle with an abortion decision are not necessarily less morally serious than those who do. They're just less undecided. Someone is who is clear about who she is, what she values, and what she wants is not casual. She is confident. Yet there are few examples of this type of counter-narrative. Bringing a child into the world is of great moral consequence, yet we don't frame the decision to have a child as a difficult decision people always struggle with. And I think that is one place where the pregnancy conversation and romance is stuck. Because in the case of Instacrush, like I said, it skates there, but she actually does think about what this would do to her life. You know? Mm -hmm. And what are the decisions that she would have to make before she ultimately decides sort of like you described in the Jenny holiday, this is something that I want for me. Not this is something I want for him. Not this is something that I want for our relationship. Not something that, you know, and thinking about like, what is the, what, what can I provide? What am I committing to? Which is, I think often a bigger decision, bigger something to think about than the way that it often comes across in in any kind of <laughs> fiction. And I think that's partially because of the optimism component, right? Like these people aren't thinking, what if I go into the scan and I have to really think about what what's going to happen mm-hmm. later on? What if, what if I have a child with serious disabilities? What if I do, you know, like these are not, these are not coexisting conversations that come into the, the narrative. Yeah. I mean, I will say I have, so I've read two romances that included an abortion in the storyline. And they were both, I think, specifically written for the Romance for Row anthology, which is no longer available as an anthology, but um, I'm pretty sure you can buy all the stories by themselves. I'll double check that and, of course, link them in the show notes. But in After Anna by Carrie Lomax, it's about somebody who, who's baby is has trisomy 18 and and then she decides to abort it and that about you know her continuing the relationship with the father of the child after after this so that's yeah. interesting because that is i mean the non-viable pregnancy i, I this is the romance thing right like mm-hmm. the non-viable pregnancy makes it something that you can go into it with the pregnancy come out of it without a pregnancy and kind of still have still have your your story 
it's not just an I got pregnant and I decided that we weren't ready to have a child right now because mm-hmm. we're not economically there. We can't afford it. We, you know, I, you know, yeah. we're we're twenty. You know, whatever it is, that's yeah, that's one of those sort. Of yeah, I mean, extraordinary and, cases. I don't know. It's something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that story does end with them deciding that they're going to be child free for now because i think they get together he's her sperm donor it's like their whole relationship is predicated on him getting her pregnant so then optimism for them is saying no we can still have this relationship even without the pregnancy Mm -hmm. which you know ties back to what ingrid was saying earlier you know that like had seen these romances where we're just like supporting being child free by choice or like talking about birth control i mean this is like i said this was a pretty extreme example and i think was and was written specifically for this for that for this to spark this com- kind of conversation well and i guess i kind of want to point out like i understand that it would be it, it is interesting to see romance novels where the choice is made because of economic or Mm -hmm. other personal reasons and not medical but i think it's really important like to highlight that it's not like having that kind of medical diagnosis or what you're what we what did you say Aaron? before the the extreme or the emergency extraordinary extraordinary right the extraordinary reasons circumstances yeah thank you you know it's it's not like the the choice is always a terrible choice to have to make like it's and i mean sometimes it's not for some people but i think being in that position is not one that's a choice that people are happily and gleefully making for the most part. So I think that it being in there at all is pretty interesting. And we're always talking about how important it is to highlight the um, wanting the characters in our books to look like people that we know. And I think that by the time mm-hmm. you hit your 30s, this is not something that, I mean, we all we all know someone, I think. I think there are very few of us who don't know anybody who's ever... Mm-hmm. face that decision mm-hmm. um so i guess where i'm trying to go with this is that i think that regardless of regardless of the circumstances that it doesn't really matter to me i i just am kind of relieved to see more conversation about it in romance novels because this is the world that we live in so it feels real now i also kind of understand the idea of like well how do you make that work because it is such a like what would you say like what did you say how like kind of a relationship killer to <laughs> I mean like some of this stuff is just really tough to deal with so you know that's that is hard to work into a romance novel but people are doing it because romance writers are pretty incredible so no I think you're I think yeah you make a fair current sort of counter argument to my point I think it's I think it's important I guess what I want to maybe summarize my or where I landed here is like it's important to consider that we don't have to exclusively focus on the extraordinary stuff as a reason that it is okay yes. to get an yeah. abortion. But at the yes. same time, having a conversation yes. about it at all, having it included at all, when it's so much easier to just not talk about it and just leave it yeah. out is really, it's something. It's really something, something to value. Well, and I think it's it's one of the reasons I think it's so interesting is that I feel like, you know, like I said, when you hit your 30s, like all of a sudden, I mean, it's like, I, I mean... I guess trigger warning, like I had a miscarriage that was a bit late later than it wasn't a super early one. And it was absolutely incredible the number of stories that come out after you go through something like that, where it's like, you know, this is not uncommon. And I think a lot of these experiences that a lot of women or, you know, or people who can carry children um, 
that that we have is that a lot of it is qu- quiet. It's silent. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it really matters that these voices are lifted up and that some of this stuff is more normalized. There's no reason for women or people who carry babies to do this in silence. You know, it's um, it, it normalizes it that this is something that is a pretty common thing. It's where there is sex, there is the risk of babies. I don't know how this is like new information for some people. <laughs> but like, and sometimes then babies don't don't come at the right time and it can be real dangerous for people. So I don't know. I just think it's a really interesting conversation to have about this world that we live in and then how it translates into literature. Yeah. So. Well, and I would like to say also that, I mean, we're looking at like, what does pro-choice look like? And Ingrid pointed out that, well, and I said, it's glad that we're talking about it at all. And it's so easy just not to do it. Right. So Ingrid pointed out the conversations about choosing not to have children, about contraception, about family planning. And just to also like throw this in the mix that authors are doing something, capital D, capital S, um, even when it might look like they're not doing something, capital D, capital S. I have two, after we started talking about this, I was tracking a little bit, and I have two actual, actually, um, MM romances. One is The Heart of the Steel by Avon Gale and Rome Parrish. Mm-hmm. And all the, the only thing in that, it's not a backstory issue, it's not a whatever, it's this guy talking about his obnoxious neighbors and as a snotty aside says, and they have a pro-life bumper sticker on their car too, you know, or, (laughs) and then the other one was a little bit more specific. That was two man station. And I'm going to have to look up the authors and plug those in, uh, in the notes, but two man station, it's set in Australia and the, the one character is bisexual and his wife, he's a widower and his wife in the course of her treatment for, I think, cancer, got pregnant and had an abortion because of her treatment plan. And he says at one point, I mean, I think he's just thinking it internally, but he's talking about how he's thankful that that was, he's not happy that his wife is gone. He's not, you know, he's not happy about all these things that happened in his life, but he can acknowledge that it's hard enough taking care of his one child as a single parent. And he can't imagine how he could have managed also having an infant or a toddler at the same time. Um, and, and I, you know, just that struck me as like, this is a male, male romance and it's still throwing this out there to have the conversation and acknowledge that rep. Which is very interesting. Hmm. I mean, I think I had a, a question here about like, if we want to talk about anti-choice trends, but I think I don't want to i don't want to talk about it <laughs> like it's a, it's a bit raw at the moment yeah with that being the pervasive um yeah reality yeah, yeah at, i think at this moment in time one thing maybe we can just leave it at i flagged i flagged in the gabrielle blair uh no it wasn't the gabrielle blair it was scarlet a she also says she's talking about hospitals Mm-hmm. in places naming no states <laughs> um, that are uh, anti-abortion and she noted that in abortion care a climate in which healthcare providers accommodate colleagues who oppose abortion but no accommodation flows the other way is one of polite discrimination right so w- there's so much um, sort of bending over backward to avoid the issue or to 
stick with the very cis het heteronormative family centric we we all want marriage and babies narrative is definitely baked in plenty of places yeah <laughs> it's not that hard to look for it nope nope no it's not yeah i mean and i feel like there's you know there's like these e like evil other women stories it's like it's a good way to show that she's an evil evil tramp in yeah. certain strands yeah so interesting romance this, this loops back to the book that sort of started this kick this all off um which was oh my gosh was it like unconventional by isabel love we'll double check that and you know i don't always flag everything in a review that i write i'm not going to i'm gonna do my best that's what i'm gonna do um but in this case the issue in question is that and these there's a lot going on with the reproductive stuff in these characters and i had feelings about like all of it <laughs> so um but so the the hero in this book is carrying some trauma because his high school sweetheart got an abortion now there is a narrative that you know she's the terrible woman because she killed my baby cool which is a which is a garbage narrative and i would be up for a discussion i mean i read this a long time ago i don't remember the specifics down to the detail i would be totally happy to have a conversation about whether or not this constitutes that and i'm sure that different readers would interpret it different ways um my takeaway though and i think it's an interesting component of this conversation in terms of the taking the uh asking men the sperm sperm donating people to take ownership of pregnancy prevention and pregnancy as well is is not so much the he killed my baby component but or she killed my baby component but um my feeling was that he felt deeply betrayed because she didn't he i think that he felt like she they were going to be together forever and this was a big thing and she didn't tell him about it at all um and i uh, i you know like this is where i am where it's like i have and then the heroine in this book also just has a lot of stuff going on and i'm just like ah, there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> to to kind of think about here um because he at one point he's like i would have supported her either way now is that true or is that not true we don't know because it's not about them um but i <sighs> I can also see Ingrid's always, I've learned from Ingrid, guys. She's always like, but what, it look, at, look at all these feelings that the characters are having. And I can see how a character who believed that the relationship was a forever relationship feeling betrayed by a lack of information would be challenging. So I think that's one thing that I took away from that story. Like I said, any, anybody can take away any number of things from that story. I mean, I didn't even like the infertility plotline component because she has an infertility thing going on. Um, there's yeah, there's a lot of black and white stuff going on. But I, I do think it's, an, is it possible to separate? Is it possible to separate the, we were in a committed relationship, but I guess I was not there with her. Or I wasn't on the same page as her because she didn't share this big thing with me versus the, you know, she was a teenager and she was probably, she was probably 
really scared. I mean, oh my gosh, can you just like you be scared when you're in your thirties? Exactly. Man. It's a I big do, deal. I do think. I mean, it is a it is a delicate balance, but absolutely. I mean, like it's not like it's not like the. I like in my head. I was gonna say the impregnator, like, but I was like, that sounds like the Terminator, and I feel like I'm not just super into that. So I'm gonna just shoop shoop shoop. I didn't say that. I probably didn't even need to tell you. I thought that, but I didn't. Here we are. So the you know the dude, like the, when you've got two people who make a baby that wasn't planned, like these feelings are fine. It, the question is, is how you handle the feelings, yeah. and so that's why you know, I I, I think it, to pretend like all partners who impregnate the woman you know like the non-baby carrying one you know the dude um all those partners to pretend like they're never gonna have any feelings that are like no I want you to carry the baby I mean that's not that's that's crazy I mean like right all feelings are complicated there are layers and layers of it and some of those come from what society told us we should do and be like good citizens and some of that comes from what we've wanted since childhood or what we're capable of handling and the, this stuff can be represented on the page thoughtfully and, and and patiently, and it can be fine. I mean, like, villainizing anybody for being in that situation is ridiculous, and that's that's what I think we're talking about. We want mm-hmm. more books that don't do that. You know, like, right. don't villainize these people for being in a, a situation that they, you know, really honestly, like, this shit happens, guys. Yeah. Yeah. You do the deed. Sometimes you end up with a little result. Yeah. So, anyhow... Yeah, no, it's. I think it's an interesting <laughs> conversation, but result. I guess it's just one of those things where I don't. Guys, I need some more sleep. <laughs> Perhaps I would just. I just leaned into the full chaos of this podcast, and I like I'm just. It. I don't like it a lot. Shooting from the hip, guys. Yeah. But yeah, you know, like I like to see more of that mess. Like, give me the mess. Make it complicated. Mm-hmm. Say the things that are not appropriate, but like you know, you're thinking them and you're feeling them anyway. Because when you say that stuff out loud, that's when you actually like get into it, and you can be like, "Why do I feel this way?" It, and that's that is the that is the those are the ingredients that build relationship in these books. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about this from a literary sense, like if you're gonna introduce, like when I said before, like if you're gonna drop that kind of a heavy bomb into a relationship in a book, well, you better dig into that mess and start making it like juicy and meaty because that's how there's gonna be intimacy built and things re and things reconnected. So I don't know, it's just very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying all this not being able to remember one single book. <laughs> Yeah. Not one, guys. Okay, but so okay. Well, then I'll jump in for you because I um I have my like number one abortion rep okay. recommendation. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. And that's uh, Renovation of Love by Mika James, mm-hmm. and because it goes into like all of this stuff, it's a it's a second chance romance between people who are high school sweethearts, and she had an abortion and left town, and now it's like more than twenty years later, and she's back home, and. It takes a while to reveal that, like, this is this is why this was kind of, like, why they broke up. But they have this conversation, and he is hurt, was hurt because she didn't include him, and because he would have supported her. And she's like, I didn't include you because I knew it would break your heart to support me, because I knew that all you wanted in life was a family. Like, that, that was, like, your end goal. And she's like, and that was not what I wanted that's never what I wanted and if I had included you then I would have felt like I had to keep the baby to like protect you and right and so Mm -hmm. right and they couldn't be together under their circumstances and but now it's 
you know, however much time later, he got married and had some kids and had the family in the white picket fence that he always wanted. And like now he's divorced and co-parenting, but he has his like teenage, I think they're teenager adult, like young adult children. Um, and he got to have that life that he wanted. And she went and like traveled around and had a career. And now they can come back together and like be each other's one that they were always meant to be. But like without those desires that they had when they were 18. And bonus points, he's had a vasectomy now. So like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, oh, that's a great example because you can make your choices. You can have feelings about those choices and how they happened either owning them or not or you know carrying mm -hmm. them forward being upset about them however you feel about them like these people these characters sound like they're having their feelings kind of like ingrid was talking about right um, yeah but they're also able to come back together and have a conversation and productively work through them which is an awesome component of romance yeah. that isn't always there when it relies on you know really young characters and first love and you know mm -hmm. i mean it did take really them... heteronormative life and all that stuff yeah it did take them 20 years to get to the point where they were able to have those productive conversations about <laughs> their feelings but well it is what you it know, is you know like <laughs> i mean i saw the other day this thing that was basically like you know oh people who have kids are just trying to trick you because they, you know, tell you all these reasons why you should have kids, but then it's really hard and it's terrible. And like, they keep saying it's good, but it's terrible. So like, why are they lying? And then somebody else was like, that's because there's literally no good reason to have kids. Like kids is hard. We have kids knowing it's hard. Like, it's not like we sit there and we're like, oh, yay, this is going to blow my entire life up, but it's totally worth it because it is, but it doesn't make any sense. Like no one's lying to you. This is what it is. So it's one of those things where it's like, you know what? These conversations are really difficult yeah. because it's crazy. Like this whole like biological situation in our lives, like all angles of it that you look at, it's such a mess. It's so messy. Whether you know, born and bred, want to have babies. I want to have a family. It's what I've always wanted. You meet someone who feels the exact same way. It goes off without a hitch. You end up with your family. It's still a mess. You meet someone, you say, I don't ever want to have kids. That other person says, I don't yep. ever want to have kids. Still a mess. <laughs> it's just hard. That's what it is. True story. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. That was my, that's my little rant. There you go. That's why it's a mess. Uh, this is one conversation that I want to have out loud more, you know, mm -hmm. I, that one line. About <laughs> I am the exact opposite. I don't want to. None of this is comfortable I, for me, but I am that. doing it anyway. But no, so just we in are terms not of the saying, same. like, <laughs> standing out there and being like, no, we don't have to keep it quiet. Like, we we don't have to be the polite, what was that word? We don't have to, like, do the polite discrimination component, right? Where, like, the majority of people in the United States support these rights, but, you know, nobody's willing to talk about it. So I'm glad that there are authors out there who are willing to talk about it. I'm glad that there are, are changing me means of representing what is going on in the literature. Thank you for having this conversation, Ingrid, even though you didn't want to. <laughs> even though it was uncomfortable. 
Well, what it boils down to for me is like, no, it is. I immediately recognize like the level to which all the cells in my body were like, do I want to put my feelings on this topic out there in outer space and just let people do what they want with it? No, not even a little bit. I don't even like people going home when they interact with me at like the grocery <laughs> store and not knowing what they think about me. None of this is comfortable for me. But on the flip side, like if we don't start having these uncomfortable conversations, we're never going to be able to find better solutions. And I don't mean that just in like, we're talking about this in literature, but like big picture, mm-hmm. like that is part of it. Consuming material that is just ignoring it altogether. Like, yeah, that feels good sometimes, but sometimes it's nice to read something and just and just think about it. Just sit with it. Sit with that uncomfortable feeling and don't just run away from it. Like, this is not fun. I did not enjoy it. I did it anyway. I survived. If people think I'm a terrible human being, somehow I will still be able to close my eyes at night. It might take some melatonin, but I'll get the job done. But, you know, like, we just have to have these conversations. And if you disagree with anything that we said, that that's okay. You, you can still read our blog and all the books that we recommend because, you know, you're still welcome. It's all okay. It's all good. It's not a big deal. Everybody just, you know, have a cup of tea and chillax, dude. But let's talk about it. Anyway, that's where I'm at. This is what happens when we don't have an outline, guys. So you're uh, very speaking, chill about it. Yeah, speaking of our blog and recommendations, um, like I said, I made a little spreadsheet. So I'll just like pop a list down at the bottom of the show notes of all the books that I've read that I can remember that have any kind of abortion rep. And I'll ask Erin and Ingrid, but really just Erin. Um, if she has any editions. <laughs> Ingrid won't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Ingrid will come up with one somewhere no. out in space. She'll be like, Stoop. It's like a, my brain is like a colander with really big holes. So it's just. But, yeah, I can also see. I mean, I think it's really sticks. interesting also, and we didn't even get into this at all, which I don't necessarily want to, but like having opened the doors, the gates of the Omegaverse, it's just like there's things going on in there that I'm like wow you know like what like that will that will be a whole other conversation when I start getting to writing some of these posts because there's a lot of well there's Omegaverse that's not mpreg but a lot of it is pregnancy related and so the ways that it's handled there just they're just there's some interesting stuff going on in that speculative fiction there so um yeah yeah well, there are lots of avenues to for discussion here. Yeah. Anyway, I think we're going to just like wrap it up there. <laughs> but speaking of speculative stuff, our tentative plan for our next podcast <laughs> next month is um like the craziest genitalia we've read in romance novels. Oh, are we doing that? It's a good thing that's happening <laughs> after dry January because I'm not participating in that sober. So yeah, uh, maybe maybe we'll have a different plan. We haven't I don't know. really that's planned our, any of our buddy reads this year. No, yeah. So um, <laughs> anyway, give us your ideas. That's, yeah, give us your ideas. Drop us a line. We are on various places on social media, or you can go to our blog at smartreport.com and leave us a little note there. That's also where you can find our show notes. And if you enjoyed our podcast, please tell your friends that we talk about chaos. And if you did not enjoy our podcast today, that's fine. You you can just don't be mean. Don't be mean about it. That's all I'm saying. That's a very mom. That's a very mom. All right. That's it. You can share your feelings. Just share them in a Look, I got. I go to therapy. I know what's up. You can, share, you can share your feelings, but you got to be nice. All right. That's sorry, Holly, we derailed that uh, sign-off for you. Go ahead. No, whatever. <laughs>
We said chaos, and we meant chaos. Embrace the chaos. Embrace the chaos. Keep it smutty, folks. Na 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 na